How is everyone doing today? We got some work to do, but don't worry. We're going to have some fun today. You guys ready for that? So we're still in our Come Home series, and just, you know, it's been an amazing series about coming home and, and finding community. And you heard Karen talk about 300 people have taken that step to engage community, to jump back in to this idea of community. And I just want to say this, it's not too late for you either. As we're reading through the message today, as we're, as we're going through this, I, I just want to chat, if, if it's wrestling in your soul, that I, I should be doing this. Maybe today's the day for you to take that step into community. Sound good? Awesome. And we are going to be speaking today on one of my favorite people in the Bible. We're going to be talking about Paul today. And uh, we're going to be talking about how his life in 2 Timothy, uh, as he writes this letter to Timothy, he finds himself in prison. And he's in prison, and it's not like today's prison. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. His prison is probably in a, a rock walls, and it's the dingy and gross and probably wet, and it's not comfy. There's, there's no TVs. There's no mattress. He finds himself in prison. And, and not only is he in prison, he finds himself living in a time that is persecution for Christians, probably the worst in history. Emperor Nero, uh, the emperor of Rome at that time, is on an all-out attack against Christianity. And now, our character Paul has to make a decision. He has to make a decision. Do I, do I, do I just give up? Do I, do I do my time? In prison, all this bad stuff has happened to me. My, my friends have abandoned me. All of his people close to him had abandoned him because they were scared of the, what could happen if they were connected to him. And he has to ask this question, do I give up or, or, or do I fight back? And I'm not talking about physically fighting back. How Paul chooses to fight back is, is to not let his prison cell, not let, let his current situation stop him from bringing hope to the future church through Timothy. And as we read his letters today, as, as, I, as I began to read in, in this idea of fighting back or uh, how we should respond, I started to think about a boxer. Now, I don't claim to be a world boxer, a world-class boxer. You know, I'm just a big guy. You know, I probably look like I could fight, but I'm a softy. I'm a teddy bear. But I do, I do like, watch the sport of boxing. And one thing I know about boxing is when boxers train, they pick, they know what spots to attack and what spots to defend. They don't just go in there just flaring around. They go in there practice knowing that I have to, to protect these parts of my body and I need to strike these parts of the body to do damage. You don't see a lot of boxers walking in and punching someone's foot. It just doesn't happen. They know where to hit and, I, I, and they also understand the enemy. Most of the training in boxing is learning your enemy, learning what you're up against, watching how they move, where their weaknesses are. And as I began to look at this passage and as we, we study Paul's writings, we have to understand our enemy. We have to understand what we are up against as Christians. And we're not going to be talking about physical fighting today, 
But we are going to be talking about spiritual fighting today. And for us to understand our enemy, in Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, or against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our, our enemy, our ultimate enemy, is not flesh and bone. Where we will fight as Christians is spiritually with an enemy that hates us. I just, I, I, sometimes I think we can kind of just like water down the enemy. He's just there. He's off in the distance. But I, I, I want you to hear me. He, he doesn't want you to succeed. He wants, when you find yourself in a season of life that feels like you're in a prison, that feels like you're in persecution, he wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. And he's going to do everything in his power to convince you to give up, convince you to quit. And I don't know about you, maybe I'm alone in this, in this room, but there has been seasons in my life where I've had to make the decision, do I keep fighting or do I quit? I've had hardships in my life that have brought me to that point where I felt like I was locked in a prison cell and there was no escape for me. Do I fight or do I give up? And as we read the letters of Paul in 2 Timothy, we're starting in chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to talk about four things that we find that Paul does to give him the strength that in his season of persecution to continue to write hope for the church, to not give up, to stay engaged. We're going to see four things that we need to fight against and we need to find in our life. The first one is this. We need to fight despair. We need to fight against despair. And we need to find life. We need to fight against despair and find life. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent out to tell others about the life that is promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son, my God, the, and the, my God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord may give you grace, mercy, and peace. In the, in the verse one, it says, the promise of life in Jesus Christ. Paul had every right. He's in prison. He's going through it. He's he, he, he knows the end is coming. But he is still holding on to this promise in Jesus Christ. We have to ask ourselves this question, is our hope in Christ greater than our current circumstances? Is our hope in Jesus greater than the trials we face? Is this promise of life in Jesus Christ greater than the, the hurts, the things that happen to us and I, I want you to hear this from me. When you become a Christian, when we, as followers of Christ, we are not promised an easy life. There, there's, some, there's some people out there that believe that. You accept Christ and, and everything's going to be roses and like we're going to dance and have a great time. That's not been my experience. 
I'm not promised an easy life, but I am promised eternal life. And when I hold on to the promise of eternal life, when I find myself struggling in this current life, it's easier to focus on the eternal life, right? When you look at the scale of eternity, this promise of life I have in Jesus, this promise, this amount of time I spend on earth seems small compared to eternity. So I can face those troubles. I can face those hardships. I can fight against despair and I can find the truth of life that is in Jesus Christ. Think about this. Paul writes this letter to Timothy, reminding him of the promise of life in Jesus. Because he knows that just like him, Timothy will face persecution. Timothy will face struggles. And he is, he is teaching even from the inside of a prison cell, reminding Timothy that no matter what this world throws at you, you have a promise of eternity with Jesus. You have a promise to live with him forever. And my prayer for us is that we won't let our pain We won't let our current circumstances stop us from living in that promise. That when we find ourselves in an emotional prison, when we find ourselves in in warfare, and we find ourselves in persecution, we won't let that stop us from helping people in the world. We won't let that stop us from serving our community, knowing what our mission is. And the second thing that we need to do is we need to fight comparison and we need to find joy. We need to fight comparison and we need to find joy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 3, and 4, it says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers and long to see you again, for I remember the tears you wept And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. As I read this passage, I'm blown away. There's a lot, there's, I'm gonna be filled with joy. I remember you in my prayers. Would that be our response if we were in prison? I I mean, I I don't know. But there's part of me, like if I'm in prison, I'm writing like, remember me. Pray for me. Send me money. Help me. That was like, that's like, and, and I would like to think that as Paul writes these letters, he's still not thinking of himself. He's thinking of Timothy. I'm praying for you, Timothy. I'm filled with joy just about the idea of seeing you again. Joy. Pray, and, and I mean, I think that we can say, okay, I want to get there. And as I, was, as I was preparing for this, I started to think, how can we manifest that in our current day? And I said, well... Not a lot of us have been to prison to face this idea of finding joy and stuff, but, but we all have social media, and that can be like a prison too. And we all have social media, and I, I see how people respond on social media to things. We see someone post, and I saw someone post this the other day as I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed. We see someone post a picture of their husband doing the dishes. They're like, oh, yes. And the wife's celebrating, hashtag dish dad, hashtag great dad. And I'm scrolling through this. I'm like, I hope my wife doesn't see this. <laughs> you know? I hope, my, like, I hope my wife, I'm comparing myself to this guy that I barely know on Instagram. And I'm comparing me to him. And that could have been the one time he did dishes. 
He might have never done dishes before, but the wife's happy he's doing it. I'm like, this guy's doing dishes every day of his life. Or, or when we see a family photo on the beach up at Tahoe, the kids are all smiling. Mom and dad got their arms around each other. We're like, what a perfect family. Man, I wish my family was like that. I wish my kids were as happy as those kids. I wish my marriage was as happy as that marriage. We fall into comparison, but we don't see the car ride up the hill where mom and dad are angry at each other and the kids are screaming in the back seat. And as they load up their stroller to get to the beach, one kid falls over and screaming, I don't wanna go. And they finally get there and mom says these words, we are gonna take a nice picture today. And they take the picture and they post it like it's the greatest day ever. And then we are like, oh, I want that. I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> but we find comparison. And if we don't fight comparison and seek to find joy in our own life, we find ourselves saying things like this. If I only had this, if, if my wife treated me like this, if I had more money like them, I would be okay. If I wasn't going through this hard situation, and how do we find joy in this? Is maybe when we start to look at the world around us, instead of comparing circumstances to us, what if we just started to find joy in others' successes? When you see that person that got the raise that you think you deserved, can you find joy for them? When your family, when you see another family living something that you wish you could have instead of comparing that, can you just celebrate for them? We need to be able to find joy. And the reason why we fall into this comparison trap so much, the reason these things hurt us, these re the reason when we see these things, just like Paul writing from prison, he could have been writing to Timothy, you are lucky that you're not here. You, you don't get it, man. You don't know what I'm going through. But he chooses to write joy and hope to build the church for the future. The reason why these things hurt us, the reason why these things break us is because if we're honest, we find our identity in earthly things. We find our identity in earthly things. When we should be finding our identity in Christ alone. Paul knew that. Paul knew that there was nothing that could change his identity because he belonged to Christ. I wanna show something real quick. What's your name? Yeah, what's your name? Megan, nice to meet you, Megan. Everyone's looking at you, no problem, okay? Megan, I have $20 here. You want this $20 bill? Yeah, you do, right? What if I crumple it up? Do you still want this $20 bill? What if, uh, what if, what if I step on it, Megan? Do you still want this $20 bill? See, the truth is, is that no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what hardships we go through, no matter what we are struggling with our family, no matter what other families are succeeding that we're comparing to, our identity is not changing. This $20 bill is still $20 bill. The value is the same, just like you. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what hurts you're hurting, no matter what you're hiding, 
you are still a son and daughter of Christ Jesus. No matter what the enemy throws at you, you are a son and daughter of Christ Jesus. Here you go, Megan. You can have 20 bucks. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody, Megan's buying coffee at True Cafe, so. When we look for the world to bless us, when we find our identity in things, that identity can change. That can be taken away. That can be spent, that can be hurt. But when we find our identity in Jesus and we stop comparing, we can find real joy. Just living in Christ Jesus. You guys still with me? Good. Number three is we need to fight against fear and we need to find truth. We need to fight against fear and find truth. In 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, it says, This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God has given you. When I laid my hands on you, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timid, but of power, love, and self-control. When times get hard, when when Paul finds himself in a hard time in life, he chooses to fight against fear by finding truth in Jesus. That God did not give you a spirit of fear. God gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. So why are you afraid? The creator of the universe did not give you the spirit of fear. That came from the world. But the one who created the world gave you a spirit of power and of love and self-control. I don't know if you guys are getting it. This is some good stuff here. Um, See, Paul, and he starts in verse 6 by saying, you need to fan into flame. You, You need to ignite. You need to reignite. You need to start the ignition, believing these truths when you find yourself in hardship. That the spirit of fear you feel is not from God. The spirit of fear is from the world, but God gave you a spirit of love, power, and self-control. He gave you a spirit of power, the spirit of power to keep going. That when, when you face something, he gave you a spirit to say, I have the power of Christ Jesus living inside of me. Take everything away. Throw what you want at me. I know the power of Christ Jesus living in me is greater than what the world can throw at me. We need to hold on to that truth. And we need to hold on to the truth that he gave you a spirit of love. A spirit of love to to learn how to love without reward. Unconditional love. That spirit lives in you. Because when you find yourself in a prison, when you find yourself in a life dungeon stage, you need to hold on to that truth. That even in the hardships, I have a spirit of love living in me that can't be taken away. And I will love without reward. When my enemy comes at me, I will choose love. When the world feels broken, I think we can all agree it feels like our world is breaking. The only thing that will heal it is the love of Christ Jesus. 
that love that lives in me that I could choose to hide in my prison cell or I can let this truth of love burst through me and shine in the dark world. And a spirit of self-control, a spirit of self-control to stay focused. Even in, in the hardships, even in the struggles, to stay focused on the mission that Christ has laid out in front of you. Paul knew this. Paul knew this. He was in prison, living in a world that hated him. But he had the self-control to stay focused on mission. I, I think uh, sometimes, I told you I love Paul. I love this character. I love this man. But sometimes I look at my life and I say, would I respond the same way? And I look at my life today. When something happens that I don't like, I often find myself complaining. When, when something happens to me that's not fair, I often find myself complaining. These things in life that make us feel like we're in prison, complaining about them won't change anything. I'm gonna say this, posting on social media about them won't change anything. The only thing that can change the world we live in is the truth that the spirit of Christ Jesus is more powerful than any spirit the world has. And we are tasked to bring that light to the world. Amen? All right, I got to get going because I have a lot more to talk about and not a lot of time. Point four. We need to fight isolation. We need to fight isolation and we need to find community. I mean, think about this. Paul's isolated, right? Paul is isolated. But in 2 Timothy 1.8, it says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Be ready to suffer with me. What Paul is doing is he's letting Timothy know that he's not suffering alone. When he goes through things, he's suffering with him. He's inviting Timothy into his suffering. How often when we suffer, how often when we go through hardships, do we find ourselves turning to ourselves? I got this. All I got to do is work harder. All I got to do is push harder. And we just say, I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. But what Paul is doing is inviting Timothy into his suffering. And we need to live by this. We need to not be too prideful to call others into our suffering. We need to not be too prideful to call people when we need them to step into our life to help us. And we need to not be too busy, too, too stressed, too much on our plate to step into other people's suffering. How often in life do we find ourselves knowing that someone needs someone, but I got this, I got this, and I got this. 
I can tell you this, there was a season in my life when I, I, I felt like I was in this moment of just suffering and imprisonment and I didn't know what to do. And I, I, I was the too proud one. The too proud one to, I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna fix this situation. But then someone in my church chose to step into my suffering, to, to meet me in my suffering. And if it wasn't for that person, literally stepping into my pain, feeling the weight of my pain, owning that pain, and pulling me out, I don't know where I'd be today. Man, it scares me to think that my life is gonna be so busy that I miss the opportunities to step into people's lives. I don't want my life to be that way. And we need, we need to have people, we're in this Come Home series, we, we need to have people in our life that can help us. I mean, think about this cup of water, right? Think about this cup of water. It, it's, this is not a heavy cup of water, right? Do you guys agree with that? It's not a heavy cup of water. But if I was to hold my arm out for, you know, it's already start, I can start, it starts to feel a little heavier. And the longer I hold this cup on my own, the heavier it gets. I might be able to hold this cup for quite a while, because I'm a pretty strong guy. But eventually, my arm will get tired and weak. And I need to have people in my life that see me holding a cup of pain, holding a cup of hurt, holding a cup of resentment, holding a cup of sin, holding a cup of shame, whatever that is, and I need people in my life that will come up and step into my suffering and say, I'm going to hold it with you. I'm going to support you through this. I'm going I'm to help you hold this cup because you can't do it on your own until eventually you get to the point where you hand that cup over to Jesus Christ. See, because as long as we hold this cup, it's going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. But Jesus will take our cup. He will take that hurt. He will take that pain. He will take that hardship. In fact, he already took it when he bore it on the cross for you and for me. So I don't have to live holding these things on my own. I just have to surrender them over to Jesus. When I find myself in a dungeon, when I find myself in, in a stage of life where everything feels broken and everything feels hard, I can hand it over to Jesus. I need to have people in my life that help me remember that. And I wanna end with this. Uh, can I put this picture of this painting up? I don't know if some of you remember this, about two years ago, I preached a sermon and I used this painting as an analogy. And let me just set the backstage for this painting. That, so this is a, a, by an artist named Banksy. And he, he, he made this painting called The Girl in the Balloon. And it went to auction a couple years ago. And Banksy had built something into the frame of the painting. That the moment the, the, the auctioneer's gavel hit, 
And this person had bought this painting for like a million dollars. It began to shred. He pushed a button and the painting began to shred. And I remember watching the YouTube video and everyone's freaking out. Like the auctioneer's like, get it off, get it off. They couldn't do anything. The motor was already built in. This is sometimes our life. Something can happen to us and we can feel shredded. We can feel broken. We can feel in prison. We can feel alone. But oh man, I'm excited about this. But Christ Jesus can take things that are broken, can take things that are shredded and make them more valuable than they were before. This painting just went up to auction again and sold for three times the value it did the first time. A shredded piece of painting, a shredded piece of paper. Imagine what Christ can do with my shredded life, my broken life. He can make it three times, four times, five times more valuable. He can use it to help people and to bless people. But only if I fight against despair and comparison and I fight against isolation, only then can this happen. The question we have to ask ourselves, the, the, the question we ask myself daily, and I know that Paul asked this, is Christ enough? Is Jesus enough? Is, is, in your life, is Christ enough? Because you're gonna have hardships, but Christ is enough. You're gonna feel broken, but Christ is enough. The enemy's gonna take things away from you that you love, but Christ is enough. Is that true for you? We've been talking about this all day. Well, I've been talking, you guys have been listening. So now I'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to say this yourself. As we, as we sing this song, take it all, just give me Jesus. When you find yourself in a prison or in a dungeon, those words are what will get you through. So would you stand with me and let's sing these truths together. Let me pray for us. Father God, we pray that you would move, that as we sing this song, God, that you would be glorified. We love you and praise you in your holy name. Amen.